but but uh, so uh, such an important subject tonight because I want to talk to you about prayer this evening. And so Acts chapter 12, and when you find your places tonight, if you will stand, if you're able to stand, if you'll stand, if you're not able, that's fine. Acts chapter 12, and we're going to read, we're going to read a, a little bit of scripture here tonight because I want, you to, I want you to hear the story and I want you to get the context of what we're preaching tonight. Acts chapter 12 and verse number one. How many are glad for your Bible? Amen. Amen. You got your Bible. Hold up your Bible tonight. Wow, isn't that a blessing? Look at all those Bibles this evening. Man, you ought to bring your Bible if you can. I know sometimes, I know sometimes you forget it. I, I, I understand that, but uh, Miss Sue, one thing my kids learned in Miss Sue's class, she said, don't ever come to class without your Bible. And she said, it's like going to the dinner table without your plate. And that's true. And so bring your Bible when you come to church. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. And then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers. As far as I know, that's 16 soldiers. So here's one gospel preacher, and he's in the middle of 16 soldiers to keep him. Boy, he must have been a firecracker and a half. Uh, the Bible says, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. In other words, we're not letting this little Jew get loose. We're going uh, to get him. Now, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Oh, boy. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. There's so much to preach in this subject. Uh, go back, when you got, go back, open the door back here, guys, if you will, all right? And uh, so much to preach here. You know, if you've got a chain on tonight, he can take it off. Whatever the stronghold is tonight, God is able to take that stronghold. I, I thought about that every time I read this scripture this week. And the Bible says in verse 8, And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through the street, or through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, well, we'll come back to that verse later on in a few weeks. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken 
named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Don't you love the Bible? It is so down to earth. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. I guess not. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. And you may be seated tonight. All all I want to do tonight is I'm just going to draw out just a few thoughts out of this passage this evening. Simple, simple thoughts. But I hope they'll be a help and a blessing to you tonight. I hope they'll challenge our church a little bit tonight. They challenge me. And I hope they'll challenge you a little bit this evening. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Calvary. And thank you for the great day that you've given us. I guess this is what some would call just a normal day, a regular day. We didn't have any big pushes, didn't have any big promotions. I mean, it was just a, just a regular day in June. But God, you've given us, once again, you've given us a good day. We thank you and praise you for that. And Lord, every service may not seem like a spectacular service, but Lord, I believe that every service helps us to grow just a little bit more in our Christian life and closer to Jesus. And I pray that's what will happen tonight. Lord, challenge us concerning this thing of prayer. I pray that our words will make sense. I pray they'll be interesting because I don't want to bore anybody tonight. And I pray that most of all, they'll glorify our Savior. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit now. And Father, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. We notice here tonight in Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 12 that the church of Antioch is a young church. But we also notice that they've been involved in regular teaching from anointed teachers for well over a year now. If you'll go back to Acts chapter 11, just a page back, Acts chapter 11, verse number 26, the Bible says, and when he had found him, talking about Barnabas, when Barnabas had located Saul, the Bible says he brought him unto Antioch. Notice this part. And it came to pass that a whole year They assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. That's Barnabas and Saul. For a whole year, they're teaching the church. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having the Apostle Paul here at Calvary for over a year? Every Sunday, man, just teaching and training and preaching. And then uh, when Paul can't do it, Barnabas comes up to bat and Barnabas is teaching and training and preaching. Uh, And that's what's going on. And I love this part in Acts 11, verse number 26. The Bible says, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. 
And I want to focus in on that word disciple there. They were disciples. The Bible says they were disciples. We often focus in on that word Christians. They were called Christians first in Antioch, Christ ones. Uh, they had the likeness of Christ. But I want us to go back before that and notice the word disciples. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. That word disciples uh, seems like a flashy word, but the word disciple just means pupil. It means learner. You can read it like this. And the learners were called Christians first in Antioch. The pupils, the students, were called Christians first in Antioch. And in other words, these Christians in Antioch were hungry. Oh, they were hungry to receive the word. And, 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 and I believe this. I believe if you're hungry, I believe God will feed you. Do you know that? I believe if you're hungry, God will send some teachers. God will send some preachers. Man, if they're not even any there, I believe that God will send some. And, and here were some disciples, some pupils, some learners that were hungry for the word of God. And, and, and with that, may I ask you a question tonight? Would you consider yourself a disciple? Would you consider yourself a pupil, a learner? Would you consider yourself hungry? Man, so hungry for the word of God. Oftentimes we come to God's house and we're thinking about what we're going to do after God's house. We're going to go to Dairy Queen. We're going to go to we're going to go to uh, Cracker Barrel. We're going to you know we're going to do this. We're going to do that. But I wonder sometimes are we as hungry for the Word as we are for other things? You know what, Church? I, I just believe this. I'm very simple minded tonight. I believe if you're really hungry, I believe you'll show up for the meal. Do you know that? Man, I believe I believe that you'll show up if you're really really hungry. And the problem is, is we're feeding ourselves, but we're often not feeding the spiritual man. We're feeding the physical man. And that's why our flesh is so strong. And, and by the way, that's why before a Sunday night service, the devil fights so hard. And that's why before a Wednesday night service, the devil fights so hard. Because the devil doesn't want you to come. Oh, he wants you to feed yourself physically, but he doesn't want you to feed yourself spiritually. And so, oh, how we need to be disciples and learners and pupils. And one of the things we noticed that this church of Antioch had learned is they had learned to pray. And if there's anything that Christians desperately need to learn today, we need to learn to pray. The songwriter said it like this, did you stop to pray this morning as you started on your way? Did you ask the Lord to guide you, walk beside you through the day? Did you think to pray this morning? Did you kneel just one moment today? Oh, the skies will be blue because he's walking with you if you just remember to pray and how true that is. There's several things I notice here in Acts chapter 12 that I want to draw our attention to tonight if I could. And the first one is corporate prayer, corporate prayer. Would you look at Acts chapter 12 tonight and look at verse number 12? I love this. The Bible says in verse 12, and when he considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. I love this statement, where many, where many were gathered together praying. And church, may I say tonight, there is power in corporate prayer. 
Now, I believe you ought to be involved in individual prayer. I believe you ought to walk with the Lord in private and have a private worship time and a, a private quiet time and all those things. But I believe according to Acts chapter 12, there is power in corporate prayer. When I say corporate prayer, I'm talking about just getting together. Man, just gathering together and praying as, as God's people and the church coming together and having a time of, of, of corporate, that's what I mean, just coming together and assembling together and praying together as God's people. How many know this? That it's one thing if one of your kids comes and asks you for something if you're a parent, but it's another thing if several kids come at the same time and ask for something. I mean, if one kid comes, you know what? You can just sort of write him off. But if several kids come and say, oh, Daddy, this is what we want. Daddy, this is what we want. You know what? A lot of times we pay more attention when it's several kids who come at the same time. Remember when you were a kid and you wanted to ask your parents something or you wanted to ask an adult something or maybe you wanted somebody to spend the night. You wanted a friend to spend the night. And, uh, and so you said, well, I got to go ask Mama. But I know what let's do. You go with me. Is that right? Some of you older folks remember way back, all right? And we used to do that. And my cousin would want to stay the night, and I'd say, I'll tell you what, that's a good idea. We'd have it all worked out. I said, but I'll tell you what, you come with me. You come with me when we ask mom. You come with me. She might say no to me. She won't say no to you. And so you go with me. Uh, corporate prayer, corporate prayer. Listen to what Matthew 18 verse 19 says. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I wonder what would happen if this whole church would just gather together in prayer and pray that God will save souls and pray pray that God will build a building and pray that God will build his church and, and pray that God will help us to reach youth and pray that God will, will send a spirit of revival. And Boy, I, I wonder what would happen. I know what would happen. God would do it. God would do it because God honors corporate prayer. It's why we have corporate prayer before the Sunday evening service. Now, I know everybody can't come maybe, but it's why we have prayer rooms. It's why the fellows met tonight down in prayer room and we took a little time and, 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 and we prayed. And, and some people say, oh, preacher, that's not important. I believe it's very important. It's why our ladies meet together and have a corporate prayer room where we're assembling for the purpose of prayer. It's why we pray on Wednesday night for our missionaries. We're having a time of corporate prayer for our missionaries. It's why we have prayer meetings sometimes at the new building. Uh, why? Because we want God to hear our prayers and God to bless concerning the new building. It's why sometimes we have altar prayer and everybody just comes and gathers around the altar. It's why when we're anointing somebody, somebody with oil, we'll have the whole church sometimes come down and just gather around. Why? Because God blesses corporate prayer. But then we notice not only corporate prayer, but number two, I love this. We notice constant prayer. Look at Acts chapter 12 again and verse number five. The Bible says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Not only do we notice corporate prayer, or coming together to pray, but we notice constant prayer. The Bible says that prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. That phrase without ceasing means this. It means stretched out. It means to extend. 
And after reading this passage, I'll be honest with you, I really believe that probably, probably the church of Antioch had people praying around the clock. Folks are just praying all the time. Lord, please bless Pastor Peter. God bless Pastor Peter. God set him free. God, that wicked king's already killed James. And, 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 and God free Peter. God free Peter. And I believe they had people just praying all the time. And they were assembling and having corporate prayer and praying. But also, I believe it could mean this. When prayer was supposed to end, they came and they said, now listen, church, we're just gonna pray from this time to this time. But you know what happened? When they started praying and the Spirit of God started working, and it started getting real sweet. You know what I believe that could mean? I believe it means that when it was supposed to end, it stretched out. It just extended. It went longer than it was supposed to. In other words, when they really started praying, I only know this, that I don't know how your prayer life is, but with me, it takes me a few minutes. It takes me just a few minutes. I can't, somebody says, preacher, I, you know, I, I, if, if I prayed by myself, I wouldn't, you know, I'd run out of things to pray for in five minutes. Man, I can't even get cranked up good in five minutes. It takes me a little while just to get everything out of my mind. It takes me a little while to, you know, I have to forget about the schedule. I have to forget about everything else that needs to be done. And I, and I have to just, just uh, you know, buckle down and come to a time of prayer. But how many know this? That once you get in and once you get in the presence and once you, once you know that it's not just you there, but he has joined you. Amen. You know what? When you meant to stop, sometimes it goes on. Sometimes it extends. Sometimes it stretches out. That's what, that, that's what that phrase means. I wrote this down in my outline. When you get close to the Lord, the difficult thing will not be finding enough things to say to God in prayer. The difficult thing will be finding enough time to say everything you want to say. Somebody says, preacher, I just can't think of enough things to say. Not me. And I'm not, I'm not trying to exalt myself tonight. I'm just saying that, that, that's not my problem. My problem is finding enough time to say everything I want to say. I mean, I'm always thinking if there's one more thing I need to pray about, there's one more person I need to mention, there's one more thing that I need to lift up to the Lord. And, uh, and oftentimes my, my, when my prayer time is supposed to stop, it goes longer because it stretches out. It extends a little bit longer. I can remember when God began to work in my heart concerning the ministry. And you've heard my, you've heard my stories, but uh, and, and, and back, in, back in that day, technically you didn't even have to lock the church. I can remember when I was a boy, churches didn't lock the doors. You could just go to the church any time of the day pretty much and walk in the church. You could pray. You could walk through the church. And by the way, nobody worried about anything. You didn't worry about people stealing things or vandalizing things or burning churches down like we've heard about this week. And, and, uh, but, but our church was way out in the country on a dead-end road, and we did lock the door, but I knew how to get in. And so uh, I can remember when God began to work in my heart concerning the ministry, and I believe God was beginning to call me uh, to preach, I would, uh, I would ride out to the church and there was a window that was never locked. I knew how to get in that window and I and, uh, was over to the side it was way before they remodeled everything and, uh, and, I'd, and I'd, you, could, you could shimmy that window up and I'd, I'd just crawl in that window and then I'd put the window back down and I'd go in the, in the uh, auditorium and we didn't have stained glass windows. We had these, uh, it looked like a, a yellow stained glass shutter type thing. You could open them and close them. And our parking lot was on this side, Eufola, on this side of the church. 
And so I'd go in there and I'd open up. I'd open up one of those windows. That way you could see the parking lot if anybody pulled in. Uh, well, I'd act like I was vacuuming or something, you know, and I'd act like I was supposed to be there. And, uh, but I'd, I'd go in there and, boy, I'd preach. I'd get behind the pulpit. We didn't have a big giant sound system like Brother Allen runs back there. We had a little intercom system right up here at the preacher's uh, podium. It didn't t- you didn't have to be very smart. You just had to flip one button. That was it. And I would get up there behind that pulpit, and I'd flip that button on, and I'd get up there, and I'd preach. Man, I'd preach. You'd say, who was there? Well, nobody there. It's just me. I'd preach. Oh, I'm telling you, we had revival. I'm telling you, you've never seen a revival like we had. I mean, Billy Graham has never seen a crusade. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, church, uh, I'm telling you, pews would walk the aisles, and, and songbooks would get right with God, and, uh, and lights would repent. And it was wonderful. I mean, we had, a, we had a great time, and I'd preach, and I'd dream about preaching, think about preaching. I'd get up there and try to, you know, copy my preacher and, and, uh, and uh, you know, have my Bible in the pulpit, and I'd hit the pulpit every once in a while, you know, and I thought, man, if I ever preach, this is what I'd like to do. But you know what? Every once in a while, every once in a while, I didn't just preach, but I'd pray. And I'd, I'd check the parking lot make sure nobody was, I don't know why you have to be embarrassed about something like that. But I make sure nobody was walking in. All the lights were off in the church, and I'd I'd come down to the altar, and I'd I'd say, Lord, I'm just going to spend some time talking to you, and I'd start praying. Man, I was just a teenager. I was just a teenager, and I thought, Lord, I'm going to come down here. I'm going to pray for five minutes. I'd get down there, Brother Brandon. I'd start praying, and before I knew it, five minutes passed, and ten minutes passed, and fifteen minutes passed, and twenty minutes passed. And 25 minutes passed, and I'm still on the altar, and I'm still praying. You know why? Because, man, when you really get involved with the Lord, you know, before you know what time's going, time's passing, you lose all track of time, and it begins to extend out. And, and so we notice that we notice that constant prayer. And I just said that to say this. Every Christian needs to experience seasons of prayer. Man, when you take some time and just get away from your wife and get away from your husband and get away from the kids and get away from all the all the that, that's going on and just say, Lord, I'm going to carve off 10 minutes and, and I'm not going to talk to anybody and I'm not going to text anybody. It's just me and you and we're going to spend some time together. And, uh, and by the way, if you'll do that on a regular basis, you know what will happen? That 10 minutes will turn into 15 minutes and that 15 minutes will turn into 20 and that 20 will turn into 25 and that 25 will turn into 30 and before you know it you know what it won't be a drudgery for you to walk with Jesus man it'll be a blessing man it'll be like visiting your best friend Lord I'm here are you ready you ready to walk man I didn't have this I didn't even have this uh, story in my outline but I I think I, I think about that story I heard about uh, a gentleman had passed away and uh, the preacher came to the house and and the daughter was there, and uh, they had come to get to claim the body and all of that, and he was going to come and talk to her about arrangements. There was two rocking chairs right there, and he got ready to sit down in, in, in one of those rocking chairs, and the daughter said, Preacher, don't sit there. And he jumped up, and he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What, 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 what is it? And she said, That's Jesus' chair. Don't sit in Jesus' chair. <laughs> He's like, Okay, okay. And uh, uh, she said, Preacher, let me tell you the story. She said, Daddy, she said, Daddy walked with Jesus. But she said, when Daddy would get on his knees, he had a hard time staying awake. He'd get on his knees, and she said it wouldn't be long. He'd fall asleep. 
And just he just had a hard time with that. And so he was trying to think of a way that, that he could walk with the Lord. And so daddy did this. He went out and he bought two rocking chairs. One for him and one for Jesus. And he said every day, uh, she said every day, daddy would sit in his rocking chair and he'd rock and he'd sit right there beside that other rocking chair and he'd just picture Jesus in that rocking chair. And, he, and she said, preacher, she said they talked and fellowshiped and they uh, greeted one another and loved on one another. And, uh, and every single day, daddy walked with Jesus. And she said, by the way, she said the day that daddy passed away, she said when we came to the house and finally got in, she said daddy was in his rocking chair. And she said, when we came over, she said his hand was draped over the arm of the other rocking chair. And she said, it was almost like Jesus looked over and said, Pop, you ready? Let's go to heaven. And said, Jesus just took him. Whoa, come on now. And Jesus just took him, just took him to heaven. I'm telling you, man, if you ever get to the place where you just start walking with God, it gets mighty sweet. That's right. And so we see that constant prayer. We see that, uh, that corporate prayer. But then, boy, I want to talk to you about this one. How about this? Number three, we notice consecrated prayer. Consecrated prayer. Look at Acts chapter 12 and verse number six. I love this. The Bible says, and when Herod would have brought him forth, now church, this is very important. The same night Peter was sleeping. Now, now, I'm not preaching on this, but can I just insert this real quickly? If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, could you be sleeping like Peter? Peter's execution is the next day, and the Bible says the day before his execution, you know where Peter is? He's asleep. In fact, the Bible says the angel had to kick him and wake him up. Get up. And so, uh, and verse, verse number six, and when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. <laughs> what, what those soldiers were thinking? Who is this guy? How in the world is this guy so peaceful? He's sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now, again, the same night Peter was sleeping. The angel came the chains fell off. The doors opened up. Is that right? Now look at Acts chapter 12, verse number 12. Acts 12, verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, in other words, God has freed him from the prison, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, here it is, where many were gathered together praying. I said that to say this. This is sleeping time for most. This is in the night. In fact, Peter was sleeping himself. The angel comes and sets Peter free. It's during the night. Most people are in the bed. By the way, they didn't stay up late back in that day. Didn't have electricity and, and all the entertainment. All, and, and people went to bed early. And so it's night. People are in the bed. It's quiet. But yet we find in Acts chapter 12, verse number 12, that there are many gathered together praying at Mary's house. So this is sleeping time for most, but these Christians are praying while others are sleeping. Did you get that? Did you know if you want to get your prayers answered, sometimes it takes consecrated prayer? The psalmist said in Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Psalm 119, verse 62, the psalmist said, At midnight I will rise 
and give, to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is teaching on prayer and he mentions this coming at a late hour. Luke eleven five, And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. What's your point, preacher? My point is this. If you really want to get your prayers answered sometimes, you may have to give up a little bit of sleep. And if you really want to get your prayers answered, sometimes you may have to skip a meal. And when you really want to get your prayers answered, sometimes you may have to get up and pray while other people are still sleeping. You say, preacher, I love my sleep. I like to sleep in. But sometimes if you're really serious about prayer, you get up while others are still in the bed and you walk with God. And sometimes when others have already retired for the night, you stay up and you walk with God and spend time in prayer. It's what we call consecrated prayer. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells the story of an unjust judge. And the Bible says that there is a, a little widow lady and she has nobody to, to take care of her. She comes to this unjust judge and she says, Judge, avenge me of mine adversary. The Bible says the judge responds and says, I don't fear God or regard man. And he said, I don't have time for you. But the Bible says that little widow lady came back again. And she said, Judge, she said, I'm a little widow lady. I don't have anybody, anybody to help me. And I don't have a husband. I don't have any sons. And I need your help. And he said, Lady, I've been told you I don't fear God or regard man. And he said, I ain't got time for you. Well, you know what happened? She came back. And she said, Judge, I'm a little widow lady. I don't have a husband. I don't have a daddy. I don't have a, a, a son. And I don't have anybody, anybody to take care of me. I need your help. He said, Woman, I've done told you. I don't fear God or regard man. I ain't got time for you. But guess what? She came back. And a little bit later, you know what? He was in his office and his phone rang. And she picked it up and he said, hey, judge, this is that little widow lady and I don't have a husband, don't have any sons and, and I need you to avenge me. And he said, slam, I told you I don't fear God or regard man. And all of a sudden it went ding on his cell phone. And he looked at someone and he had a text. And it said, Judge, he said, I'm a little widow lady. I don't have a husband. Don't have a, I don't have a son. Don't have anybody to take care of me. I need your help. And he slammed his phone down. A little bit later, it went, and he got an email. And it said, Judge, he said, I'm a little widow lady, and I don't have anybody to help me, and you're going to have to help me. And the Bible says that that judge finally said, I'm going to help her because she has wearied me with her continual coming. And listen to what Jesus said. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. In other words, you say, preacher, I've been praying, but God hasn't answered. Keep on praying. That's what the Bible says. They keep bothering God and talking to God and begging God and pleading. You say, preacher, I prayed two times and it didn't happen. Then pray three times. You say, preacher, I prayed 10 times and it didn't happen. Then pray 11 times. You say, pastor, I prayed in the morning, but it didn't happen. Then pray in the night. You say, preacher, I prayed early in the morning. It didn't happen. Okay, then try midnight and stay up and lose sleep. And I'm talking about consecrated, consecrated prayer. Would you take your Bibles with me tonight and turn to Matthew chapter 17? We'll be done in just a moment. We're talking about consecrated prayer. I'm not talking about this maybe pamby weak stuff that a lot of people would like you to believe this prayer. I'm talking about, man, when you really get serious about something, man, you'll pour your heart out to God. And say, God, I've got to have it. 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 
Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17, verse number 20. Jesus said unto them, he's talking to his disciples, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. But doesn't end there, does it? And then Jesus said, how be it? This kind, in other words, this kind of prayer, this kind of, 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 of answered prayer, this kind of getting things from God, how be it? This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now, church, let me teach something tonight that I, I believe will help you. I ask you a question. Are you serious enough about getting something from God that you're willing to do without? You say, preacher, I've got a major thing in my life right now. I ask you a question. Are you serious enough about getting an answer from God you're willing to deny, deny yourself? You're willing to miss a meal. You, I mean, you're willing to. You, you say, preacher, I love breakfast. It's my my. Uh, most favorite meal of the day. Ask you a question. Are you serious enough about getting your answered, your, your prayers answered, that you'd say, Lord, tomorrow, no breakfast? And I'm just going to spend that time in a prayerful state of mind. Lord, please work. Lord, please work. Lord, please work. I'm talking about fasting. We, we don't know much about that in our society anymore. Man, it's all about self and and self-indulgence and all those kind of things. And I mean, are you willing, are you willing to deny yourself? Preacher, I really need a job. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? Well, you say, I, I, I said a prayer. I mean, have you prayed? Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to turn your cell phone off? Not text for half a day. We say, Preacher, I want my prayers answered. I'm not that desperate. What else am I talking about? You see, if you, get, if you get desperate enough, you'll say, Lord, I'm not going to turn the television on today. Lord, I'm, I'm not even going to turn the, the oven or the stove on today. I'm not going to eat. I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. And Jesus said, if you'll do this, he said, man, I'll answer your prayers. Now, all these things, corporate prayer, constant prayer, consecrated prayer, lead to this last thing. And I love this. They lead to confident prayer. Now, look at Acts chapter 12, verse 11. We're done. Acts chapter 12, verse 11. The Bible says, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. In other words, you know what Peter said? I know God's answered prayer. He said, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. The psalmist said in Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Now church, I'm done. We're getting ready to close our Bibles and pray. But I want to ask you a question. Listen, are you confident when you pray? You ought to be. And I ought to be. We ought to be confident in our prayers. We ought to pray expecting God to answer. Now, does he always? Not always, but he does a lot. Can I put it like that? 
Is he going to answer 100% of my prayers? Not going to answer 100%. But can I say this without sounding boastful in any way? He answers a lot of them. He answers a lot. We ought to pray expecting God to answer. Matthew 21, 22, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now, a lot of times we ask in prayer, but while we're asking, we're thinking, he probably ain't going to do this. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Because when you pray, you need to pray believing. Lord, you're my loving heavenly Father, and I love you, and you love me, and, and I'm serving you, and I'm trying my, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing my best to live for you and serve you, and Lord, I need this, and, and I'm even willing to deny myself, and, and Lord, I want you to know I'm serious about this thing, and I believe when you pray, you ought to pray saying, I believe that God is going to come through and answer my prayers. Listen, church, listen to me. You know what they said about George Mueller? They, and, and George Mueller was, a, was a, a prayer warrior. They said George Mueller had 50,000 recorded answers to prayer in his prayer journal. 50,000 recorded answers to prayer. Did you know, you say, preacher, I'm not George, George Mueller. That's true. But you ought to pray believing God's going to answer your prayers. Now, I, I, I don't know if this is right or wrong or a good preaching or bad preaching or whatever the case may be, but I'm just telling you, when I go to the Lord and, and ask for something, I'm planning on getting my prayers answered. Amen. I'll ask my kids. I'll say, you want me to pray about it? Because I, I get my prayers answered. Amen. Yes, Dad. Yes, we want you to pray about it. I was sometime back, back way, way back before Zach and, and Amber, and they, before they got their new building, and they were having a time just trying to, you know, meeting in the conference room there at the uh, courtyard uh, in Santa Clarita. And, and that went good for a while. And now they've got their own place. And, man, folks are coming and visitors are coming. And the Lord's blessing. They had almost 40 in revival. But I was, I was praying. Zach, they needed a place. They needed a place especially to have their midweek service. They were having a Sunday service, but they needed a place to have a midweek service. And to have the midweek service at Courtyard was going to cost them an arm and a leg. And so we were praying. I was literally, I was in my study. And I was on my knees and I was praying. And I was praying for Zach and Amber. And I said, Lord, I said, they need a place. God, they need a place. Lord, would you just give them a place? Just give them a place. God, they need a place. They're trying to teach your word and trying to win souls. And, and uh, Lord, would you give them a place? Just give them a place. God, please, in Jesus, give them a place. I pray, believing God's going to answer my prayers. Literally, literally, probably less than 10 minutes, my phone rang. I, and it said, Zach Pope. I said, hello. He said, Dad, I had to call. And share some news. I, he said, I got some good news. I said, share, share it. He said, there is a school in our area. He said, it is literally less, probably less than five minutes from the house. And he said, they have said they're going to let us use their facilities for our midweek service. I said, how much is going to cost you? He said, dad. They're going to give it to us free <laughs> in Santa Clarita, Los Angeles, California. It don't, that kind of thing don't happen. But it does happen when you get a hold of an almighty God that has all kind of power and God is able, church, God's able. Somebody says, preacher, how in the world are we going to 
raise the funds to build the rest of this building. I'm not worried. I am not worried. I don't, I, that, I don't want that to sound arrogant or anything like that because, man, oh, man, do we need Jesus tonight. We need God. Man, we need God. But you know what? The same God that's built that much is going to build the rest of it. God's able, church. And whatever it is that you're going through tonight, God, yes, yes, this is helping somebody tonight. God is able to answer your prayers. Don't give up. Don't quit praying. Believe God. You say, but preacher, no, believe God. Man, God wants to answer your prayers just like he wants to answer George Mueller's prayers. And God wants to answer your prayers just like he wants to answer Lee Robertson's prayers. And God wants to answer your prayers just like he wants to answer uh, anybody else's prayers. You're precious to God. I was on the bus route this morning, and, and uh, Michael had pa- uh, passed out some of the refreshments, and I went up and grabbed the trash can. And I said, all right, boys and girls, we're going to throw our trash in the trash can. And we had some boys on the bus, and they said, all right, preacher, hold it still, and I'll get in. I said, let me tell you something. You're not trash. I said, you're a treasure. I said, you're God's treasure is what you are. You're not trash. And by the way, neither are you. You're God's treasure. You know what God said? God said, I desire to give you the desire, the desire of your heart. Man, I want to give that to you. Hey, church, let's pray. Man, let's be a praying church and a praying people. And let's just wait and see what God's going to do at Calvary Baptist Church. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this challenge tonight. Thank you for the privilege to come and preach on prayer. Lord, just as sure as I'm standing here tonight, somebody needs a breakthrough. God, just as sure as we're here tonight, Lord, somebody's carrying a burden. Somebody's got a major obstacle in their way. God, it, it, it looks like there's just it, it's not gonna there's nothing's gonna work out. But Lord, please, would you give them faith tonight? And Father, would you help them to pray, believing, trusting that God, you're well able to answer their prayers. Help us to be people of prayer, Father. If we don't have a prayer, if if all we have is a prayer time tonight, I pray that you give us a prayer life. I pray that you work in the hearts of some of our young people tonight. God, maybe they're not praying at all. Maybe they're not spending any time in prayer tonight. Maybe we'd have some young people that would say, Lord, I'm sorry I haven't been walking with you in prayer at all, but I'm going to start tonight. I'm going to start just a little bit. I'm going to start. I'm going to try to start. God, give us some people at Calvary Baptist Church that are people of prayer. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And uh, listen, if God has spoke to your heart tonight, you know what you ought to do? You ought to just step out in just a moment and make your way down to this altar and start that prayer vigil tonight right here at this altar. That's what you ought to do. Just come down here tonight. You say, Preacher, I'm so burdened about somebody right now in my family, my life. All right? Man, I'd get on this altar tonight. I'd say, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I am not going to be quiet until I, until I get an answer, until I, I see you do something. Let's all stand tonight. Our heads are bowed. Father, have thy way in the invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. The pianos will play. Our heads are bowed tonight. Hey, listen, if, if God spoke to your heart, why don't you slip out? That's right. That's right. Why don't you slip out tonight? That's right. Amen. Amen.
maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, Preacher, prayer's just not a part of my life. Oh, listen, child of God, why don't you start tonight? Oh, my soul. If you knew the blessing that you're missing, why don't you start tonight? You say, Pastor, I don't have time. I don't have time to pray. I'm too busy. Truth is, church, most of us are too busy not to pray. There's quite a few of you here tonight that have a at least a 20 to 25 minute commute from Union Grove to your workplace. That's a great time to pray. Man, just turn off the radio. Just talk with the Lord, spend time with the Lord. What about it tonight? We're going to pause just for a moment, and uh, I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And there could be there might be somebody here tonight that needs somebody to pray with you. And so we're here. If, if we can help you or pray with you, we're here. And so uh, you come tonight while we wait.